Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport 2 with me, Adam Catterall, and we got an action-packed show lined up for you tonight. Coming up, Carl Frampton will be joining us. Tyson Fury's on the show. We'll also be having a little bit of a chat with Gareth A. Davis, live stateside, as he's been catching up on all the latest news regarding Canelo and Triple G and everything that's uh, surrounding Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Joining me in the studio in around about 15 minutes from now, uh, is uh, journalist extraordinaire Declan Taylor. He'll be casting his eye over the latest big stories and obviously uh, throwing in his two peas with when it comes to chatting to the likes of Carl and Tyson Fury. And if you want to get involved uh, with anything that we're doing on the show, you know the score. You can uh, do that via Twitter, at Adam Catterall. Uh, however, let's get stuck into the big three stories of the week. I'm kind of nicking this one from a week previous because that's when we told you first. However, it was officially announced uh, that Carl Frampton will be fighting uh, against an Australian that some of you may have never even heard of. It's Windsor Park. It's August 18th. It's Luke Jackson. That's the big one. And we'll be talking about him uh, and to Carl Frampton in around about 15, 20 minutes time. (laughs) Former stablemate of Carl Frampton, Josh Taylor impresses... Uh, with a decision victory over former world champion Victor Postol. Some dodgy scorecards in there, if I do say so myself. It was a lot closer than the judges alluded to, but Josh got the job done. Every time he steps up, he answers the call. We'll hopefully be speaking to Barry McGuigan on Josh's fantastic performance in Glasgow. Finally, after much deliberation about this particular fight, where he was supposed to be fighting Billy Joe Saunders on two separate occasions... Uh, And Billy Joe Saunders pulled out for whatever reasons given. Martin Murray got the job done against uh, Roberto Garcia uh, at the O2 Arena in London. We'll be speaking to Jamie Murray very shortly. Now, off the back of uh, the three things that I've told you that were the big stories of the week, that final one there with Martin Murray getting a fantastic victory at the O2 Arena uh, last night. I think it's only fair... To, uh, to speak to Jamie Murray, his trainer. We'd love to speak to Martin, but you know what I mean? We can't interrupt a man celebrating, you know what I mean? You put in a great performance like that, he's got to go out with the missus and uh, see and paint the town red. Uh, so, Jamie, sadly, you've drawn the short straw. You've got to come and talk to me, mate. How are you, pal? You good? 
I'll have to do, mate. Yeah, he's uh, he's gone off with the fan bowl, just having a few celebrations, drinks, the uh, just before the kids have to go to bed. So uh, no, absolutely. I'll have to, I'll have to be second best, mate. Listen, re- regarding that, there must have been. A, a lot of frustration, obviously, building up to this particular fight with everything that's gone on with Billy Joe Saunders. And he, yeah. he just, he, it seemed to me like watching him at the press conference and stuff like that, I was excited to see him let off some steam uh, in the ring. You must have been delighted with the performance. I certainly was, but, you know, he, he did let off a bit of steam too early, did it at the, uh, <laughs> at the weigh-in. And um, he just took offence to the way Garcia was, was, was sort of trying to stare at him and, and he had all been... You know, nice and respectful leading up to that point, but um, but yeah, I, I think that sort of performance um, five six years ago could have gone the other way for him. Mm. You know, when, when, when you've had a big fight in the pipeline like the Billy Joe Saunders finally falls through, you have to box a late replacement at two weeks' notice. Someone like Garcia is not the ideal opponent because they hustle and bustle you. You know, he's hitting him low a lot, sticking his head in. And you know, it's easy to get frustrated. Yeah. So in in the uh, in the changing rooms before I went out there with Martin, I was drumming it into him. You know, you need a cool head tonight. Mm. You can't let him get to you. He's going to be hitting you low. He's going to be sticking the head in. He's that sort of fighter. You know, don't don't take the bait. Don't rise to it. So uh, he did it well. He, he stayed composed and uh, he was a little bit scrappy at times. Yeah. But he did what he needed to do. And more than anything, he showed a real you know good temperament tonight. Jamie, listen, you've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, right? So therefore, you know how hard that is to do. When you're a fighting man like Martin Murray's a fighting man, and someone's yeah. being a little bit naughty and a little bit dirty we on the inside, the natural exactly. instinct, exactly, the natural instincts to kick off in it and and to get yeah, stuck yeah. in. And I know Martin, you know, pro- probably better than anyone. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been around him a long, long time. So I was very aware that that was a possibility tonight, you know. And, and it, especially after the Wayne's antics, I thought, if I don't sort of control this and make sure I'm getting his, inside his head hmm. beforehand, it could easily go the wrong uh, way. But, you know, it didn't. He, he held it all together nicely. He put in a good performance. And, you know, on the back of everything, yeah. Um, I'm proud of the way he's conducted himself. I'm proud of the way he's got the win. Mm. And then hopefully, you know, Frank Warren's promised him that he's going to push him, you know, one defence of this title and then it'll be mandatory for the for the WBC. Mm. Now, that, you know, at that sort of level, when when you've got people like Golovkin and Canelo around, yeah. they don't happen that quickly. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think, in my 35, he can't wait around forever. Mm. Um so the IBF title's vacant. There's other big fights out there, but him being in a position where he's mandatory for the WBC will open the gates for other big fights as well. So let's just see what happens. But first and foremost, I'm just proud of the way he, he performs tonight after everything he's been through. No, absolutely. Um, two camps, obviously, preparing for one particular fighter, and then at two weeks' notice, you're pre- preparing for somebody else. It's just nice to draw a line in the sand, have a little bit of a rest, bit of downtime with the family now, and then come again. We're, we're a real serious focus of, uh, of what's next. Now, listen, there's going to exactly. be... There's going to be questions, Jamie, regarding um, what happens if Billy Joe Saunders comes out of the woodwork once again and offers him the fight once again. Um, yeah. Martin's a fighting man. I've no doubt that, obviously, if he gets insurances, he'll probably want to have a bit of a bash at that because there's a, there's a world title on the line. Would you be of as co- would you be as confident to take it and, and put yourself out there for a third time? Yeah, I think, you know, as, as much as it was frustrating for us from our part, we did say this after the first pullout uh, with Billy Joe, even though it was gutting, we understood if he was going to get that fight with Canelo or, or Alvarez, um, 
you know, it's not great for us, but looking at it from their point of view, you can't blame them. No. That's what you're in the sport for. You're in the sport to, to test yourself, to try and compete against the best fighters out there. Mm. But for him to do it twice mm. was, was a bit gut-wrenching. And, you know, I'm sure that if the opportunity came up and there was some sort of insurance, I heard Martin doing an interview before, and he said if there was some sort of insurance in place where if it happened again, it'd, it'd be financially rewarded. Yeah, you still get paid, yeah. Then I'm sure he would, because, like you say, um, the, the big guns are tied up at the minute, and Billy Joe Saunders is probably now in a situation where he's thinking, I shouldn't have really pulled out of that fight, I should have gone through with it, but, you know, mm. what do we do now? Mm. So, Martin and Billy Joe are probably in a similar situation at the minute. Mm. So, if they can sit down, put the differences to one side, and there's a little bit of an insurance policy for Martin, then I'm sure that they could come to some sort of agreement. But, as I say, just Martin's going to go away with the family, have a little bit of a holiday. Frank's promised him that he'll be out in uh, around about September time, so yeah. let's just see what happens. But uh, you can go and enjoy a few Guinnesses tonight and relax. Absolutely. And listen, we've spoke about this on many occasions when you've been on shows with me. You know, me as a fan, I love narratives in fights. And with all due respect, yeah. with everything that's happened between Martin and Billy Joe, there's now a real there's a real interest from fans to think, hey, there's proper needle there now, you know what I mean? He's, he's done him. Of course. He's, he's pulled yeah. out on him twice, you know what I mean? Let's see I, it. Let's I, get I'm it on. A, I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason, you know that. And, um, yeah. and maybe the reason why this has come around is because it's made the fight even bigger. You mm. know, there's a little bit of needle there now. There's a bit of uh, animosity. Yeah. And he's genuine. He's real genuine animosity. And it'll probably sell the fight better if there can be an agreement put in place. So, as I say, let's see what happens. But it's probably a bigger fight. Um, you know, people are talking about that fight more so than it was the, the first fight or the second fight, what was what was scheduled. So, you know, everything for a reason. No, absolutely, mate. So, September next for him. Now, you've obviously got a couple before we get there. So, let's flick to, quickly to a couple of other fighters that you're looking after. How's Rocky yep. looking, mate? What a great opportunity for him. Rocky's bang on track, honestly. He's, uh, he's got a real spring in his step. He's, he, he, he's a different fighter to the one that's been in the gym, even though he was performing great before. Him. Yeah. I, I've seen a change in which you often see fighters what be, you know, given these opportunities, they sort yeah. of go up a gear or two, mm. up, up a few levels. And uh, he's, he, as I say, he's got a right spring in his step. He's got a couple of weeks more tough training to go. So he's not quite there yet, but he's well on track. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Before that, though, I've got. I've got um, Jack Carroll fighting yep. next Saturday in, in Belfast. He's mm. on the... Um, Conlon, on the card, isn't he? The, the, Con, the Conlon yep. return to Belfast. So I've got that one then. And Rocky's two weeks after that. I'll tell and you something. Got... Just, just, just on Jack's fight, I mean, that Jack's obviously coming as a replacement in that fight with Tyrone. And I'll tell you something. It's not very often. This is no disrespect uh, to anybody else. But it's, it's yep. not very often that a replacement comes in and the fight's actually better than the original. That's a real no. good fight next week. Do you know what? And, and again, I like to say, I, I, I've been drumming on about this. Everything happens for a reason. I'm a big believer in it. And what's happened with Jack is, he's had a couple of first round blowouts since he, yeah. he moved across to our gym. And he was, you know, basically asking the management team, is there no chance he can get out over the next couple of months? Uh, you know, I've done a couple of training camps and I don't really want to get the training to go to waste because yeah. I've only had one, you know, two fights and they both lasted around. And then, you know, as luck would have it, Tyrone McKenna's opponent dropped out. Mm. They, they, they approached Tyrone. They asked him if he'd be willing to take the fight. Obviously, he's a fighting man himself. And yeah. It was a big opportunity because Jack's got a high rating with the WBO. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I've known Tyrone for a long time and I, I, I fancy Jack um, to get the victory. I know he's going to be a tough fight, mm. but I'm a big believer in Jack. I really think he's got world-class yeah, potential. 
And um, great opportunity and, you know, as well in in uh, obviously on that type of card because Michael Conlon is every for everybody knows that he's been out in America and various other places. For him to come home to Belfast, the atmosphere is going to be banging. Yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. And do you know what though, the Belfast fans, the sort of fans where regardless of whether you're a hometown fighter, mm. they appreciate good boxing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if Jack goes over there and, and performs well and, and beats Tyrone, even mm. though he's beat one of their guys, I think he'll get a lot of respect and, and the crowd will, um, you know, applaud him for it because there's that sort of boxing fan over in Belfast. They really do get behind fighters in general. Mm. Well, it helps that uh, probably uh, another one of your stable uh, boys, uh, Carl, uh, will be in his yeah. corner, mate. You know what I mean? And we've uh, you'll be back well, in you'll be back in Belfast in, in August. One, it's a tough one for Carl because Carl's uh, pretty pally with Tyrone. They've known each other for years, so he's a. Uh, it's his gym mate against his actual mate. Yeah. So it's going to be a tough one. I think he's going to sit back and sit in the neutral corner. Sit in the middle. Just enjoy the fight for what it is. Yeah, exactly. So, but then, obviously, he started his training now and he's come over here tonight and he's supported mine. They're all about to get behind each other and helping each other along. So, mm. the atmosphere is great in the gym in a minute. Mm, regarding that, I mean, what an... What? Wins apart, mate. I mean, I know that you... Again, you've mentioned it a couple of times in this conversation. We've said it many, many times where... Everything happens for a reason. Obviously, that yeah. positive mental attitude to get yourself to a situation. That yeah. night, although I'm sure, I mean, we've got Carl on the show a little bit later on. I'm sure he'll be speaking about, listen, I would have loved a Leo Santa Cruz. I would have loved um, of course. Uh, Oscar Valdez or, or whoever. Somebody with a world yeah. title to come for that particular night. But the occasion itself sells yeah. itself. It's Windsor Park. It's Carl Frampton. It, it'll do. It'll do what it needs to do. It's an occasion, of course. And, and as you say there, we did, we did want a big name. He wanted a big test. To the, to the big stage. And unfortunately, all those guys have either just boxed or they're all yeah. tied up. You know, there is a few other names knocking around, but Carl wasn't interested in, in going over old ground and stuff like that. You, you, you know where I'm coming from. And, um, yeah. and the next... Oh, I, I know where you're coming from. I saw you on Twitter, mate. I, I saw, I saw yeah. a little bit of back and forth, a bit of crack, you know what I mean? We love a bit yeah, of that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's just one of them situations where the next best um, thing was... And I'm being fighter yeah. in, the, in the ratings of the belt where what Carl holds. Carl holds. Yeah. So, um, you know, as we say, it's not an ideal situation, but nevertheless, it's going to be a great occasion. We've got a couple of big fights on there. Paddy Barnes has got a world title shot, which is fantastic for, you know, seeing as he's only had, what, six or seven fights. Yeah. So it's going to be a great occasion. And um, as I say, the, the gym's buzzing at the minute and Carl's got a real spring in him step. Mate, it's absolutely flying. Listen, I'll let you get on. Take care. Man, cheers, lads. Thanks, mate. See you, pal. Uh, Jamie Murray there, trainer of uh, Martin Murray, put in a great performance at the O2 Arena. Uh, got himself that decision. Delighted for him. He's one of the nicest guys in boxing, Martin Murray, and hopefully now he can kick on and get himself back in that mix. And as Jamie said there, I mean, the amount of fighters that he's got in his gym that are going for world honours is absolutely sensational. Uh, stick around. I'm going to introduce you to a pal of mine who's on the show next. Declan Taylor, journalist extraordinaire, joins me. <laughs> Uh, you're listening to Fight Night on its new home of uh, TalkSport 2. I say new home, just for the World Cup, all right? We're moonlighting. We're, uh, we're basically just hanging out uh, with your mate's sister. That's what we're doing for, uh, for the next couple of weeks or so. Um, and uh, each week, it's uh, quite nice to have uh, a boxing aficionado on the show, just to bring uh, the, uh, the IQ level of, of boxing up a touch. 
uh, because I just talk a lot of nonsense for two hours. Uh, Declan Taylor's with me. How are you, mate? You well? I'm good, but I'm feeling the pressure now after that. You should. You should, because all the pressure is on you. <laughs> yeah, mate. it's right on my shoulders now. You are bringing the knowledge. Um, there's lots coming up on the show. We are going to be getting stuck into the Hall of Fame a little bit later on. Um, we're going to be looking back 15 years on Lennox Lewis's career, because it's 15 years since he packed it in. 15 years, 15 years. Mate. Last undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah, but he never had all four. That's right. That's right. See, that's why you're here, mate. The knowledge. <laughs> dropping the bombs. That's what it's all about. Just and keep... I'm, I still expect him to come back at some point. Let's not Listen, rule it out. Let, let's be honest. He probably would mop up as yeah. well, wouldn't he? He probably would. Are you anticipating to see uh, an undisputed heavyweight champion of the world anytime soon? Yeah, I would think there's a very good chance it will be this year. Yeah. At worst, it will be before the summer of next year. Okay. So I think within the next, what are we now, June, I would say within the next 10 months we'll have one. So you do not anticipate any banana skins, any slip-ups in the road to making the Undisputed Heavyweight Champion of the World. I like the way that we're kind of talking like very ambiguous here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Basically what I'm saying is, are you seeing the fight next between AJ and Wilder? And if you're not, then you are thinking that AJ will quite comfortably go through uh, Alexander Povetkin. Well, I think Povetkin is arguably would be his hardest fight, even maybe even harder than Klitschko, yeah. considering what had happened to Klitschko with Fury and everything else. Arguably his hardest fight. I'd still back him to win it, mm -hmm. especially over here in Cardiff or whatever. But yeah. I just feel like getting towards the end of June now, run that time a bit to make that uh, Povetkin fight, which they were talking about September. Yeah. And I wonder whether the hold-up is because the contract is now, as we hear, with Wilder's people mm -hmm. and they're holding on now and just hoping that we get that October, November Wilder. Yeah. And and then that will be in Cardiff. Um, it has to be. Mm. I, I don't see it going to America, so that's the only one where you can close the Can't roof. do it outside in uh, October, November, can you really? No. You need a roof. Yeah, exactly. So Cardiff's the only one. I mean, there's... They've been to Cardiff twice in a row. Ideally, they didn't want to go there three times in a row, but because it's Wilder, it doesn't yeah. matter, does it? It can do yeah. it anywhere. Mm. So... I, I've got a, I've got a feeling. I've got a little. I'm optimistic that it could be next, and we could get some news. And what I do think, and Eddie Hearn keeps saying it, is that if we get, if we do get Povetkin Joshua mm -hmm. in September, mm -hmm. then at least the Wilder fight will be signed. If yeah. You see, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. So the the Wilder fight's going to come too. The agreement's going to come too early for them to do it in September. Mm -hmm. So he'll have to fight Povetkin, keep that belt. I don't see him dropping it. I really don't. Uh, the WBA belt. I'd see him. boxing though, innit? Yeah, and, and also it does open up the door then he if he fights Wilder and wins, then the winner's got a fight in Povetkin or whoever holds the WBA belt, if you mm -hmm. see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. not the end of the world. I know we've spoken about this before. It's not mm. the, the end of the world if he does drop the it belt. It is the end of my world, mate. It's the end of the world if I, he loses I want an I want a man. I want a guy yeah. to have them all because... Like you said, like we just said there, Lennox was the last man, 1999, and he, but he held three before the WBO, you yeah. would say, would be re recognised as one of the, the major belts. And we haven't had a geezer that's held no. before in, back, in, in back, that period of time. Back then, it was like what the IBO is sort of seen as now, if you see what yeah. I mean. Yeah. So, so you you might get a four-belt champion, and then in 15 years, someone might go, yeah, but you know what, Joshua never held the IBO. Oh, he does hold, hold the IBO, actually. But it was, you know, yeah, it wasn't yeah, yeah. at that level. So, so Lennox Lewis held all three. He yeah. was undisputed. Uh, he went out on top, as as we know, yeah. and um, yeah, I think we'll get one this year. I, I'd have to back, I'd back Joshua to win the fight against Wilder, but would you? I think he could get he could get chinned at any moment. Gunshell. Yeah, uh, it would be it would be well, it would suit Wilder if it is. Yeah, I, I feel like if Joshua would stick behind his one-two, what he's good at, and stick to his boxing, be very sort of be very Lennox, be Len be very Lennox, be very Vladimir yeah. Klitschko in a way, yeah, because. I just don't see then how Wilder, Wilder will get an opportunity here and there, mm -hmm. but it won't. He won't be open to it. 
Joshua. And I think if he sticks to that game plan, I, I, I don't see how he loses. But when he gets in there, he loves to tear up, as we yeah. saw against uh, Klitschko. Yeah. Who knows? He couldn't get... It. The, the fact is Wilder could knock out any man on the planet if he if he catches him, but he's just, he just got to try and catch, catch Joshua. Mm. That's the intrigue, isn't it? Uh, well, it is the intrigue, and I hope that we get some news uh, sometime soon, my mm. friend, so uh, I can uh, book my summer holiday. <laughs> yeah. Or my October holiday. Yeah, I don't exactly. want to be aware when that's on. Winter sun. Absolutely. <laughs> that, absolutely, mate. Uh, another fight that has uh, caught my imagination, which kind of follows on from the thread that we had on last week's show, uh, is around uh, Billy Joe Saunders because obviously everybody knows Billy Joe Saunders has pulled out two fights with Martin Murray and the reason for that he'll tell you that he was injured he was chasing either Golovkin or Canelo right and we're led to believe that the uh, Golovkin fight was done for the end of August obviously then there was a U-turn now we've got Canelo Triple G for September so therefore he's kind of out in the wilderness a little bit and the question that I asked last week was what next for Billy Joe where does he go now because does he go back to Martin Murray with his uh, cap in hand and say, listen, I'll sign an insurance deal because that's probably the only way that you'd you'd get that fight made? Um, or, or who else is there out to, to wet our whistle with Billy Joe Sons with him being the WBO middleweight champion? And it's come to light this week that they're talking James DeGale in September. Um, again, I don't know too much about it. I'm assuming that it would be for a two-weight to go up and fight for the IBF uh, championship. But having said that, though, James has got a mandatory... And, yeah. Those categories. So, how does? To be fair, I like it. Yeah. I like the idea of it. But can we can we get that fight made with uh, the amount of politics that is in the world of boxing? Well, I first of all, I remember Frank saying this to us at a press conference when James first signed with him before the first Truax fight. So at the end of last year, he said, "Oh, what about Billy Joe Saunders?" Mm. And we thought, hmm. It then starts to make sense because Adam Booth said about Billy Joe when they were together that he reckons he could be a super middleweight just because of the the money fights in the division. Obviously, James being one of them, mm-hmm. they're they're friends from they were in the Olympic squad together. They travelled the world together as amateurs, um, but it would make business sense in terms of two Brits. I I know what you're saying with the belts. I wouldn't see the IBF sanctioning no. Billy Joe Saunders as a challenger. If it if he was the WBO champion, DeGale, they would allow it. They always allow their champion to step up and have a first crack. But you've got Uzkategui there. But the problem with him is he's very good, very dangerous, and no one knows who he is, and he doesn't make any money. So you've got this. He, he d- does DeGale keep on keep hold of his belt by defending against him hmm. for little money, or does he vacate the belt and do what he wants? And that the same thing goes for a fight with Chris Eubank Jr., which would do big business for him. Mm-hmm. He'd make more money uh, fighting Eubank than he would Uzkategui just because of who he is and the profile and everything else. But then he'd lose his belt. Mm-hmm. So I would, I could see both things happening. But I do know that, as we all saw, unless the girl was fully motivated against someone and really fancies the job, mm-hmm. he's not half the fighter that he can be. And I think someone like Billy Joe Saunders would bring the best out of him. To be honest, stylistically, it doesn't do a lot for me. No, it doesn't. Two southpaws, uh, both slick. Not neither of them massive punchers. Yeah, uh, it's a bit. I, I think we're gonna. I think if it happened, it'd be a bit of a stalemate. It I'm could honest, be. Mate. It could be. Yeah, and it would be. You know, I don't see anyone getting stopped in that fight. No. Uh, it would. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what Saunders, how Saunders dealt with the extra weight that he'd be allowed, eight pounds. Mm-hmm. Would they try and put it on him as muscle? And they'd do a great job in the Ingle Gym mm. with Greg Marriott as nutritionist. You know, he, I'm sure he'd do a good job, but. How would he carry it? Mm-hmm. How would it affect his movement? How would it affect his, you know, his combinations and yeah. angles and whatever else? Um, it'd be interesting to see, but yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it'd be a massive. Whereas the Gale Eubank would be for me it would be a great fight. Mm. Um, 
But then where does Billy Joe go? I don't think he's going to fight Martin Murray. I really don't. You know, even you know after all this water under the bridge, often that makes it to a good fight and a good backstory. But I don't see that one happening. So mm. then, where does he go? And obviously, he's still waiting for the winner of Canelo Golovkin, which at least we will get in September, unless it's another draw. It, 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 it's the Billy Joe thing. Two years, well, two and a half years ago now, when he beat Andy Lee. I was going crazy, mate. I was I was on the bandwagon. I was absolutely saying, this kid, he's the main man in the middleweight division. He will take Triple G's crown. Then we had a year of nothing. He didn't fight, did he? And then we had a, a year of tin cans. And then we got David Lemieux. And lots of people were on at me going, do you remember two years ago when you were saying this geezer was the real deal? I mean, what, what were all that about? You, you know absolutely nothing. Then he puts in the Lemieux fight and you think to yourself... Thanks, mate. You've vindicated what I said. We're on the bandwagon now. We're all aboard. We're all aboard the Billy Joe Saunders bandwagon. And then this year, he's kind of just diluted it all again. And it's such a shame because he's so, he's so, so talented. So, so talented. And I personally still believe he could be. And it comes down to what you've just said there, motivation and all these types mm. of things. But I don't think he's really adhered himself to the fans with the, with the Martin Murray situation. And now you're in a it seems quite obvious that he's only chasing either two fellas, which is a shame, really, because there's a lot of good other fellas still out there, like Charlos and various things like that, that you could get get your hands on and, and really make some really good knocks at middleweight. Mm. Uh, well, first of all, you're right in that he's very talented. I think, in a way, that has sometimes held him back, in a sense, because it's always come too easily for him. Yeah. You know, he's that naturally gifted that he gets away with things, gets away with cutting corners in training camp, gets away with doing the weight wrong or whatever it might be. He's the first to admit it. Mm. Also gets away with having a fight, going away and doing whatever he wants for a couple of months, getting another one or maybe not, mm-hmm. and <laughs> hanging around and messing around with his mates and whatever else. So he, that's why he made the move to Sheffield. But you're right, the, the momentum from that Lemieux win, which was a brilliant win, one of the most complete performances by a British boxer overseas for years, the momentum sort of just dipped off after what was a massive high for everyone and I'm with you I think if there's a style out there that could beat Golovkin certainly a Golovkin who is coming towards the end of his career it's Billy Joe Saunders with his movement his angles we saw Lemieux obviously nowhere near as good as Golovkin with his feet and his boxing intelligence but we can see what Saunders can do with people who are aggressive and who do pull forward Um, I've always thought that Saunders would be the man out at middleweight who could dethrone him I, I would also give him a very good chance against Canelo but obviously Canelo's still growing into the weight and yeah. he offers a different literally growing into the weight yeah. <laughs> but, but that, what I will say is that Gold I was in Montreal for that fight against Lemieux and there was no press conference after the fight you know they were so stunned at what he'd done mm. they just went no that's no presser no nothing Golden Boy just pulled the plug on the whole thing <laughs> and they were stunned at how good he was and I think I honestly do think they'll be thinking do we really want that for Canelo? Like, you yeah. know, there's we, we could go somewhere else with it. The other slight problem, a hiccup for Saunders, is that now the IBF belt has been stripped from Golovkin, he doesn't hold that final piece of the puzzle, which he always did, and he had the one belt that they didn't. Yeah, great point. So, but And even at, at that stage, they couldn't make the fight. So now there's an IBF belt being boxed for Devryachenko and Danny yeah. Jacobs, yeah. and Saunders got the WBO, and then you've got the two with Golovkin so mm-hmm. it's like he's now even further away from a, from a fight but it does open the door to whoever wins out of Jacobs and Devrinchenko but being with Eddie Hearn and HBO it's 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 impossible <laughs> to see that fight happening yeah so the the middleweight it was the division was so close to coming together and finally getting a division we can all say right finally 
He's the man. Common sense yeah, has yeah. prevailed and we've got the man. And now it just seems to be slowly sort of drifting away. And it's like how we say with Joshua, that could easily happen at heavyweight unless they, they get moving on it. Mm. Um, and it means that Saunders might be taking these strange fights at super middleweight or, you know, looking elsewhere, and which is not what we want to see. Mm. It seems now he's just concentrating on trying to get the winner of that fight and rightly so because he's going to get well paid for it. Mm. And he could win. And if he wins it, that's a massive, you know, famous win. Mm. it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out I think it's, we're going to get some news on that over the next 7 to 14 days aren't we I hope so um, do stick with us you're listening to Fight Night with myself Adam Catterall Declan Taylor's with me here on TalkSport 2 coming up next um, you're going to want to hear this guest that's all I'm going to say stick around it's coming next hey! 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 here comes the here comes the uh, you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport 2 with me, Adam Catterall. Declan Taylor's alongside me, and I'll tell you something, right? Well, just when you thought that the uh, the boxing IQ levels had gone to the next level, bringing uh, Declan in on the show, we are taking it up again now, mate, right? Um, because um, we are timesing what you know by about 10 by bringing in uh, the lineal heavyweight champion of the world. That's right, I said it. We've managed to get our hands on Tyson Fury. He's on the show right now. Tyson, how are you, mate? You well? He's true, he is the true boxing genius. He's the guru, man. He knows yeah. the score, he knows the score. How are you today, mate? You well? Fantastic, fantastic. It's great to be alive. It is great to be alive, and it's great to obviously be uh, be active uh, back in this heavyweight division. Obviously, we've seen you recently uh, do your thing in Manchester. You've uh, you shook off a little bit of rust, and now it's roll on to Windsor Park. Oh, I can't wait. Roll up, roll up. Who's next? <laughs> well, who who is next? That's that's yeah, the question yeah. we all want. Who 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 are we thinking? Is there a list? Have you sat down with your dad and with Frank and, and talked about who I it could be? I haven't really got a list, to be fair. Whoever they put there, I'll fight. Not really too bothered. That's being honest. What's the what's the the time scales, Tyson? Because obviously, after 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 the last fight when we I, saw I, you win against Safiri. Time scale for what? Just for, just for you, in your mind, of where you want to be, because obviously... Oh, yeah, the next... Uh, hopefully, I'll keep going to the next, like, ten years or so. That's so, time scale. So, regarding, obviously... Because people watch you in Manchester against uh, Sefer Safiri, right? So, therefore, it was great to see you back. I love the ring walk. I uh, I love yeah. the, just, the, just you being back in the heavyweight mix. But it's going to take a little bit of time to get you to... Uh, a lot of fans want to see. They want to see you in with Wilder. They want to see you in with AJ. They want to see you in with those kids. Where are you at? Because it's irrelevant what I think or uh, fans think. Where are you at? How, how long are you realistically thinking that it's going to be before we see you in with them kids? As soon as the fight's made, it's made. There is no, like, how long or realistically or time scale. As soon as the fights get made, that we'll be, we'll be in the ring together. There is no anything else. It's about making these fights happen. So you're open to that within, what, the next year, the next six months, the next three months? I'm open to it today. Today. If I've said, said right, you're fighting on a weekend, I'll say, happy days, let's fight. I love it. I, I, I there, is, there, is, there is no uh, scale of like, oh, I'll be ready in six months. I'm ready today. I'm a fighting man, born and raised. And if I wasn't ready to fight today, I couldn't call myself a fighting man. So if, if they could make it for this weekend... Or next weekend, rather, being more realistic, and it'd be on. I don't need warm-up fights. I'm a lineal heavyweight champion of the world, 26-0, 19 KOs. K-1, 
can't be stopped, can't be moved, can't be rocked. Tyson, you uh, you spoke in the press comments after the Safari fight about that the nerves were maybe more than the Klitschko fight. Do you feel like now you've got the first one back uh, out of the way and now you're back in the gym? Do you feel like a weight's been lifted a bit and you can really get down to business now that the first one's just been put to bed and a victory and everyone's seen you back under the lights and now you can concentrate on what you want to do now? Um, no, I don't, I don't feel any pressure at all um, going in. It's just... Uh... Just can't wait to get in there, you know what I mean? I'm having my second career. Not many people get to have two careers without losing a fight. But I'm one of the special ones who get two careers without losing. And uh, I'm very excited about this this uh, second pro fight fight in my second career. And uh, I can't really wait to be fair. How excited are you of actually doing this in Belfast, obviously? Um, we saw the press conference earlier on this week. The fans seem... Uh, Seem as excited as ever to see you back in there, mate. And uh, to see you at such a illustrious venue, you must be licking your lips. Yeah, I can't wait. I always wanted to box at the MN Arena. Uh, that was one of my goals, because I'm obviously from Manchester and never boxed there. Yeah. So now that's done. And then from one arena to the next, to a stadium, it's, uh, it's unbelievable uh, to be active and, and keeping busy. Um, the Belfast Five Pants, I've boxed there three times before. Mm -hmm. um, so... They, they, know, they know me, they know what to expect. And, do you know what? I get a, a, a home welcome, rather. It just feels like I'm at boxing in Manchester when I'm boxing in Belfast. It's got a great card, too. You've got Carl Brampton on there and uh, Paddy Barnes fighting for world titles. So it's a, um, a good opportunity for me to get in and have a good night of boxing and buy fight and watch the lads fight. I'm looking forward to the ring walk. I really am, because yeah. the the ring walk at Manchester was something else, mate. When the, it, was, it was, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I, I, fair play to you, because it was pure theatre. You obviously had a little bit of Afro Man in there, a little bit of Eminem, and then when Return of the Mic dropped, the whole place went crackers. Of course, listen, I've missed boxing, and boxing's missed me. You know, when when did you ever see the the atmosphere like that in the Eminem arena? No, it's I've been, been a long there time. many, many times, yeah. no discredit to anybody else. That's the best atmosphere I've ever seen. And I would go as far as to say, that's one of the best British ring walks I've ever witnessed. <laughs> hey! All you need is a flying carpet now, mate. We need to get a little bit of Prince Nazim going on or something like that. No, the Prince was legendary and he'd done his thing, but since since the Prince was, has been gone, there's never been any legendary ring walks. And I think that one last Saturday was a legendary ring walk. It had it. It did have it. Tyson, did you have a little, a few days off and a little break? Obviously, you've been in the gym a lot and dieting very hard. Did you have a little break after Safari fight and just kind yeah, of... I had, um, I had about four or five days off, to be honest. But even in the four or five days, I felt myself itching wanting to go to the gym. Wow. So I actually done two 10-mile runs that week in my day off, on my time off. And then I started back straight away. Um... I had a lot of time off before, two and a half years out of the ring, so I don't need any more time off, and I want to be active this year, active next year, and active for the foreseeable future. All, all, all being well in, in Belfast, how many more times do you hope to be out this year? Oh, minimum of one, and, and it'd be a bonus if I could get another two in. Wow, OK. I so it's um, all, all steam ahead, full steam ahead. <laughs> Mate, I hope so. I, re I really do, because like you say, that atmosphere in Manchester was crazy. It's going to be crazy in, in uh, at Windsor. And I, uh, I hope that we do see you at least another two, maybe three times uh, before the end of the year, because I think 2019 could be extremely exciting if Tyson, Muri uh, if Tyson Fury is in the, uh, 
in the mix, let's just say. I'm in the mix. Don't worry about that. The Lindy Levyweight Champion is whoever's getting in the mix for me. I am the cement mixer. Put the other bums in there and I mash them up. <laughs> the cement mixer. That's the new. Uh, that's the new moniker. That's how, that's how I want you introduced into the ring, Tyson. The cement mixer fury. Listen, it's, it's all fun and games, but I've been told now, serious in Belfast, no more playing around. And my uh, showboat and the plane in the ring yeah. didn't go down too well with them. So, uh, Mr. Serious, no more smiles, no more kissing, no more picking the opponent up and putting him on show. Just totally serious business, down to business. I think I think the f- Chester was a pantomime. Belfast is going to be strictly business. I think the fans will forgive that because, like you say, it's been a long time since they'd seen you, and you were out there just having a little bit of fun. It was quite obvious you were having fun. You had a big smile on your face, but like it's you, you are right. Ex- somebody kiss somebody out way. <laughs> <laughs> and and at such gloves as well, mate. But the, yeah. Oh, yeah. But then I kissed him. Give me a right smacker on the lip just before I beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> But then, now, like you just said then, and I'm glad you said that, because it is now a case of, right, okay, I've had my fun now, now it's about showing uh, the world who the best heavyweight on the planet is. Listen, it's, uh, it's all there to be uh, proved. There's so many good fighters around at the moment, so many undefeated prospects, and people have got points to prove. I'm just happy to be back in the mix and, be, um, and to be a part of it all. Hopefully we get some big entertaining fights down the line, and... Um, May the best man win. Whoever wins, time will tell the story, I'm sure. Mm. History never lies. T- Tyson, when you do finally get your hands on Anthony Joshua, do you think you'll give him a kiss? <laughs> I'll give him a snog, never mind a kiss. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll, I'll put my full tongue down his neck. <laughs> you don't bear my boy. <laughs> we're, we're, we're hearing that there's an opportunity... That, well, there's, uh, there's, there's real m- momentum that we might be getting... Uh, Deontay versus AJ made over the next uh, couple of weeks for for the back end of this year, and I've no doubt that uh, you're excited about seeing that because that'll probably get rid of one, and then you can go on and, uh, and fight the other. How do you see that fight going? Well, let me tell you something. Yeah, if these two keep around trying to make this fight, I might have to slip in there and take one on myself <laughs> because it's taken a long time, and you know if they keep messing about, messing the fans around, I will step in. And batter one of them. I don't care which one. In December. So let me tell you, if they don't make this fight sharpish, I'm going to step up and make a fight for them. Why are they messing about, Tyson? Why, why, why is it taking so long? Because they're afraid to fight each other because someone's always got to go. Yeah, I think it is that. And obviously it's that time where you... We're at that time now where they can make an awful amount of money. So you want the right deal? Obviously, get in there, get stuck in, don't worry about the money. Money comes, they've got money anyway. How much money does one man need? Mm. Listen, last week. Uh, they're not going to starve, are they? Unless, no. unless they're stupid and they waste all the money. Yeah. The, a, a couple of weeks ago, we, we, we had uh, Tony Bellew on the show and he, uh, he was spoiling for a fight with yourself. Do you fancy it? Um, not really, to be fair. Tony doesn't have anything I want. This is a not f- at all. Mm. Right. He can keep growling and shouting and barking like a Jack Russell, but I am like a big giant German Shepherd or a Rockweiler, and he is a he is a Jack Russell. So that's what they do to big guys, don't they? They bark. But but does that sometimes make you want to want to have the fight and just and shut him up, as it were, or does it go yeah, the other he way? He doesn't. He doesn't have anything to shut up. To be fair, mm. Tony Bellew has nothing that I need or want. Nothing at all. Um, I hear he's getting a fight with Andre Ward anyway, so he won't he won't need me to deal with him. 
<laughs> Tyson. So it's uh, it's um, it's always good to have uh, challenges, isn't it? Mm. When uh, when will we be hearing then uh, on your uh, opponent for Windsor Park, mate? You'll know when I know. That's that's all we can as, ask. As we all know, I'm not very good at keeping secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'll wallop it on social media straight away. Good man. Listen, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. You're in great spirits and it's good to see you back in the mix, mate. Take care. All the best. Remember, not, not in the mix, I am the cement mixer. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Tyson. See you in a bit, Take mate. Care. Ta-da. All the best, boys. Take yes. it easy. Ta-da. There you go. Lineal heavyweight champion of the world. He's a character, isn't he? Mm. What, what, whatever anybody thinks of him, he is just 100% a character. And and I'm glad that he said that regarding the fight against my, uh, in Manchester because he did come up for a bit of criticism post-fight. Now it is about serious, isn't it? He's got to get in there. He's got to get in with some proper heavyweights, and he's got to uh, he's got to show us what, what the guy that was two and a half years ago. And if he does do that, then he's right in what he says. It's going to come sooner rather than later. The uh, the the bigger fights in that division. Yeah, and it's good to hear him in such good spirits because a couple of years ago, even straight after the Klitschko fight, he he wasn't interested. He wasn't he wasn't a happy man, as we know what happened in the the preceding year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so to think they say. As much as I hate to use an old adage, they say a, a happy fighter is a dangerous fighter. He's obviously the set, if he can get to the same level as he was, and he's happy with it, and he's happy in the gym, and he's it doesn't feel like a slog to him. He could be an even better fighter. Mm. Who knows? Um, but I think we all knew that we could give him one in terms of yeah, you know having a fight like that and get the rust off. He says he was nervous. It was a massive occasion. Let's be honest, I've never seen a crowd like that for a Tyson Fury fight. Mm. And I've covered most of his fights. Yeah. Uh, the Klitschko fight, obviously, was 50,000 there uh, in Germany, but most of them were for Klitschko. There was obviously British fans there as well, but the 50,000, it was it was part of the event. He's never dr- drawn a crowd like that before, and they were going crazy for him. Mm. You know, he's, he's, he's right in what he says, that boxing has missed him 100%. And when you look at him in terms of just the cold light of day, the stats, he's he's 29, he's not even 30 years old. You know, he's nowhere near his peak as a heavyweight. He's undefeated, uh, what has he said, 25-0 and 0 mm. or whatever it is. Uh, he's got arguably the great, the single best win of any active fighter in boxing right now, mm-hmm. when you think that victory over Klitschko. He's never been defeated. He, he's been down, you know, a flash knockdown against Cunningham. This isn't... This is a talent. This is a top elite fighter just based on the facts. Never mind everything else that mm. comes with him. To have him as part of the heavyweight mix, which is already, as we've discussed, interesting, to stick him in there, if we can just if he gets back to his best, the next couple of years are gonna be brilliant for not only for British boxing but for the whole of heavyweight boxing. I actually think as well that the performance that he put in against Safiri has taken the pressure off him a bit now. Mm. Because if he'd have come in there my original thought was get in there and, and smash him and, and put on a real statement. But by doing that then people will clamber quicker for the wilder fights and the, yeah. the AJ fights. With him turning it into a bit of a pantomime, let's say, the pressure's off now. People think, well, he's a year, eighteen months off. So just leave him alone. Yeah. And let him get let him get on with his business. So it's gonna be interesting to see what he does in uh, at Windsor Park. It's nice to hear, like you say, it's nice to hear him saying, Right, that's the end of that. Because yeah. after the fight, Frank Warren said he didn't like it to be honest he found it a bit too much his dad thought it was too much messing around yeah uh but it's to be expected and let's not forget he did it for a couple of rounds he did it for six minutes it's yeah. not like he was doing it just being an idiot for a, a month or whatever he did it for six minutes in the ring yeah still got the job done eventually uh obviously the opponent is nowhere near his level 
nowhere near his height size yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh there was obviously going to be nerves and that with someone like tyson the way it manifests is like that mm-hmm. he doesn't go into his shell he doesn't oh, get tensed up and try and knock him out with one punch like a lot of boxers do when they get nervous he goes the other way messes around he even had members of his family in the crowd telling him to sort himself out stop messing around mm-hmm. uh and obviously then there was a fight in the crowd which the whole thing was bizarre yeah uh to hear him say, that's it, you know, that I got it out of my system, let's get down to business, that's that's very encouraging. Oh, it is. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens at Windsor Park, what the next step is. We expect it to be a step up, as they say, but there is step ups and there are real step ups. Um, I would think it would be another... Yeah, uh, another doorman, but of a, maybe of a dis- different bit, height. Slightly bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And rightly so, he's been yeah, out for a long time. Absolutely. Who, and, and if it gets... It's a process, isn't yeah. it? It's a, it's a process. He can't go straight in to a fight although he says he can mm-hmm. he'd be better served going into a fight off the back of six months or a year of these fights yeah. building up it's just like a prospect he says it's the start of a second career if that's how we take it then give him a year no I agree mate um, from one heavyweight to another the last uh, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world going into the Hall of Fame and we're going to do it next on Fight Night <laughs> Hall of Fame. Now then, every single week on Fight Night, we get stuck into the Hall of Fame and we induct someone, something, or uh, or a group of fans even uh, connected to the world of boxing. Everybody has uh, been thrown in here. I've even put Ricky Atkins fans that went to uh, uh, Las Vegas on those memorable nights uh, into the Hall of Fame. We've had trilogies, we've had uh, particular fights, we've had ring walks. Uh, but today, I'm going back uh, to putting in an individual. You're going to love this, Dan. You're going to love it, mate. Because uh, we've all seen this week that it's 15 years since Lennox Lewis had his final professional bout. Doesn't seem like it, to be fair, does yeah. it? 15 years. It's absolutely flown that by that. Crazy. Um, and he he's obviously the last, as we mentioned earlier on in the show, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. No man's held all four belts, but back then he held three of them. 1999, I think he did it. Yeah. Um, and obviously this in 2003 against Vitaly Klitschko was his final um, efforts in the, in the heavyweight uh, pro- professional ring. Um, a little bit of a weird fight to go out on, mm. uh, but that shouldn't detract from such an unbelievable career. I think every single person in the world of boxing, uh, especially in the world of boxing journalism, when you're talking about your favourite or best mm. uh, English, I use that uh, caveat uh, lightly with him being... Canadian, yeah, <laughs> uh, born English. in born in East London, absolutely. West Ham fan, uh, absolutely English heavyweights. He's the boy, isn't he? He's the number one. Yeah, I mean, he, there's a very strong case to say he's the greatest British boxer of all time. Um, he's certainly right up there in terms of heavyweights across the world yeah. of all time, based on what he did, based on the era that he did it, and who he beat. You're right about the Klitschko fight. It was a strange one, and, and people see it as a. Uh, history sees it in two two ways people mm. have a go at what he did with the cut and then other people go well that, that's boxing that's what you're supposed to do if you're a professional fighter that is what you're going to do you're going to mm. go to work um, but the the wins over Evander Holyfield the Mike Tyson one's obviously 
bit it was a faded Tyson yeah. but the job he did was perfect after the build up and I, everything I preferred else. the uh, the press press the press conference fight yeah, yeah. yeah he won that as well <laughs> got got bit got bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean yeah and he he's uh, and now it's good that he does media and stuff so he's still around he has an academy out there in Jamaica um, you know he he is sort of the dream when it comes to being a boxer. He got out with all his faculties intact. Yeah, as a, as as a rich man, um, with a lot to give back to the sport. Mm -hmm. um, I can't quite believe it's fifteen years since that Klitschko fight. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm obviously watching him. You know, when I at that age was when I was really sort of getting into boxing, really pouring over it, and to have him as a you know as a, a young English kid to have yeah. him as at the top of the tree was just incredible especially when it came to someone like Tyson who was this sort of cartoonish guy this villain mm -hmm. and then you've got someone obviously a lot of Tyson's victories came off the back of people being scared of him mm -hmm. and then he came across people like Evander Holyfield and Lennox Lewis who just weren't scared of him they're not scared of anyone on the on the earth so they're not scared of Mike Tyson mm -hmm. and and the, and then to do it in the ring you know it's it's all about human virtue, really, at the end of the day, boxing. Mm. And when it when it boils down to that, Lennox Lewis has got the most of it. And uh, I think he's a very worthy candidate 15 years on for your, for your Hall, Hall of Fame. What is his, What is your favourite Lewis fight? It's a tough one. Do you know what? The draw against Holyfield, mm. um, just because it sticks out because of how controversial it was. And obviously he won. But the Tyson won. The job he did on Tyson, even though it wasn't the, the ferocious Tyson of a few years earlier. Yeah. But the build-up, you know, the stuff he said about eating his children. Yeah. And then the fact that they couldn't find a location, they couldn't find a state willing to do it, and then they finally did. And and for him to just... Remember the, the security guards lined up across the it's ring? It's one of the most iconic pictures yeah. and it's in just, boxing and ever. So the, this whole build-up, and as a kid, I remember having all my mates around for, uh, for the pay-per-view at my house. And um, we watched Reservoir Dogs to try and keep ourselves up. We, I don't know how old we were at the time. I'm trying to try to remember. 12, 10, 12, 13, something like that. Most of us fell asleep. I remember waking up for that and thinking, oh my God. And then he, the job he did on him. The, yeah. You know. Was... I, I don't know about you, because you're slightly younger than me. I find it. I found it hard at the start to fall in love with Lennox Lewis. Yeah. Because he took the mantle of Frank Bruno. Yeah. As the as the as the British yeah, heavyweight, yeah. you know, I mean, my my, you, you you've kind of just struck a, a little bit of a thing there in my head because ninety late late eighties was Bruno Tyson over in the states, and I remember yeah. staying up, going around to my uncles for the pay per view and all that type yeah. of stuff, and that was like my first wow, this is unbelievable boxing's absolutely tremendous, and Frank Bruno was the guy that you fell in love with, you followed, and he ended up getting there eventually. But Lewis absolutely dismantled him yeah. in Cardiff. In Abs Cardiff. Absolutely. Of and now we're going back to Cardiff for heavyweight fights. But really, yeah. it started back then. And that, yeah. and that win, and as you say, you know, dismantled him, truly took the torch. Yeah. But he never carried it like Bruno did. You know, he never had the the back, the the love of the public. Yeah. Maybe that was something to do with the fact that he was from Canada or, you know, he boxed for Canada in the Olympics and everything else. Maybe he never quite courted it, really. Mm -hmm. Maybe it just passed him by i'm sure it didn't really bother him mm. in, in scheme of things the fact is he's in terms of tiers of heavyweights he is right up there uh, and it's you can't say that for a lot of british boxers but he is very much right up there um mm. and the wins that cemented it holyfield tyson you know, I, I, people like this you know yeah the, the bruno one for me st sticks right out there yeah. because it was like the pure changing of the british guard let's mm. just say even though i think a lot of people going into it knew that lennis Lewis yeah. was legit um 
but the Holly, like you said, the Holyfield fight. Mm. I mean, that was unbelievable. I mean, Holyfield's one of my favorite fighters of yeah. all time. For him to come up against Lennox Lewis and just the way that that fight played out, yeah. and then we ended up getting another one. Obviously, it was just absolutely yeah. tremendous. And let's not forget the Rackman fights as well, which were obviously the first one was crazy. Yeah, uh, and you know, we talk about uh, Joshua and Wilder being worried about losing, as Tyson said there. They, both of them, neither of them want to lose their O because mm -hmm. it's so important. Lennox Lewis lost his O. He got chinned yeah. when he took his eye off the ball. Yeah. What did he do? He came back and did the business himself. That, that whole, that whole see, scenario is quite weird, isn't it? For those that don't know, he was in, it was Ocean's Eleven that he was filming, wasn't yeah. it? He was yeah. in filming Ocean's Eleven and that is, in that fight scene, he's fighting Vladimir Klitschko, yes. if I'm not mistaken, in the film. So in real life, it didn't happen. No. But in the, it happened in the film, so that he's been in with both Klitschko's. <laughs> uh, even one of them's on the big screen, and because he was filming for that particular fight, he was in the preparation for the first Rackman fight. Yeah, and he wasn't training properly. No. He was, uh, it was, he was he was Hollywood movie star. And it just goes to show what it's like. Imagine Anthony Joshua went and took a part in a film with which the he wild... probably will do at yeah, some point. Won't imagine he? he did it in the next three months, and he had to juggle his training and preparation to fight Deontay. Well, obviously, Wilder and Rackman are yeah, different, different prospects. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, yeah, he's going into a world heavyweight title fight uh, against Rackman, who obviously did the business, upset the odds. And yeah. then Lewis said, well, okay, fine, let's do it again. And a lot of people say you should never go in with someone who's knocked you out straight away mm. they said it after david price lost to tony thompson for yeah. the second time they said take another one you know it's psychologically you got this guy in the back of your head and you know what he's done to you lennox lewis didn't care about that mm. and he went back and did it um i think he knew that he'd beaten himself really yeah in that and he fight, knew that he? he just after after not just have to turn up but he knows that if he could bring out the best in him he wins the fight yeah um and it you know but two iconic uh, nights against Hassim Rackman towards the end of his career, which no one would have predicted. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, regarding the Vitali fight then, mm. um, because it was stopped, obviously, in the sixth round technical knockout because of that ridiculous yeah. cut on his eye. I mean, that's probably one of the worst cuts in heavyweight boxing that I've ever seen in my life. I yeah. mean, his eye were all over the place, wasn't it? However, if you go back and watch the fight, I think, and the judges agree, that Vitali was winning it. Do you think at that moment, Lennox just kind of knew that he was just maybe on the turn, just a touch, and he thought to himself, I'm going to get out now? Maybe, maybe, and who knows? I'm sure, you know, he wouldn't He wouldn't admit that. No, of course he, he wouldn't. To be honest, he might not have even realised. It might have been a subconscious thing as well. Mm. Um, but this is a fight we're talking about as well, and uh, two massive men, what a huge stage. I get what you're saying. I think there's a, there would be a grain of truth in it. Um, but a win's a win on box rec. <laughs> he, he walked away from his career, yeah. you know, and he walked away on the back of a win. Yeah. Um, what, what a career though as well. Yeah. From, from Olympics to what he did in the Olympics to becoming the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, we're back to putting uh, people into our Hall of Fame and we're going with the final, well, the last uh, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world today. Hopefully we'll get another one in the not too distant future, but Lennox Lewis is our boy. We're sticking him in there. 15 years uh, since his final fight with Vitaly Klitschko, which he won by a technical knockout in the sixth. Uh, stick around, there's lots still to come on Fight Night. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You listen to Fight Night. On its new home for the next few weeks, Talk Sport 2, uh, with me, Adam Catterall. Still to come on tonight's show, we are going to be catching up with Carl Frampton. He announced his big fight at Windsor Park this week, so we're going to get his thoughts on that and his thoughts for the future as well. We're all excited about him, hopefully, uh, regaining uh, a world title. However, right now, you'll know that over on TalkSport, we have been bringing you live coverage of some of the biggest fights at the first half of 2018. We're only halfway through the year and there's plenty still to come, but I thought we'd have a little bit of a trip down memory lane and reminisce at what an exciting year it's been so far. Let's get this party started! Fight Night Live here on TalkSport. But let's be real about why this fight's happening now. He came up to me at the York call with his friends. Instead of talking, talking back and forth, social media, I said, matchmaker, let's make a match. Akoli, as he tries to land, and he's gone down already. Chamberlain is on the floor. Oh, oh a big yeah. right from Akoli. And a new WBA Continental Cruiserweight Champion from Hackney, East London, Sauce Lawrence of You've got to prepare yourself in the best way so possibly so so when you get in you've covered every avenue in the fight talk sport listen to me do the business against Sergio Romchenko Mark's third listen out I'm so excited about next weekend with Kel Brook you know he's had a rough old ride obviously Gennady Golovkin and Errol Spence and I'm nervous about next week because it's crunch time you know his career's on the line this is talk sport fight night live your home for big I knew it would come because I've got the power, I've got the timing, so it's just a matter of time when I'm, when I'm, when I'm felt as good as I did tonight. So what Amir Khan needs to do, he needs to listen to me right now, <laughs> get his arse into gear, grab his balls and take the Kelbrook fight. 
first on the scale, ladies and gentlemen, the challenger. An impressive record of 34 victories, only one defeat, two draws. 25 of those victories coming by way of KO. This is Scott Quigg on the scale. I've tried everything and done everything and it just wouldn't budge. He's the fighting pride of Uri Lancashire, United Kingdom, the former super bantamweight champion of the world, Scott Quigg! A great work again from Scott Quigg, and you can hear the very crowd here now urging their man on. Valdez takes it, but his face reddens as Quigg goes to work again. Both men smeared in blood. And whoa, Valdez whoa, is whoa. trying to finish it. Whoa. Valdez is going for the big right hand. He's hooking Quigg's head. Quigg just gets out of the trouble, but that is a real flurry at the end of the wow. round by Oscar Valdez. I'm devastated. I'm a, I'm a winner. You know, and you know, I hate losing. And I come up short tonight. You're smiling now. You're laughing now. But I know you're, you're obviously in a lot of pain. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm smiling because I'm smiling because I know it's going to be painful putting these nose back big heavyweight dust-up between Dillian White and Lucas Brown. A great fight. I think outside of the heavyweight championship fights, that's the best fight in the division right now. You just annoys me. So face-to-face, you got nothing to say? On social media? I, you want to talk all day on social media? To see. You want to be a smart ass on social media, but face-to-face, you got nothing to say? we got a few more minutes. Relax, relax. I'm not worried about what he's doing, no. Fast, he's or slow, he's or strong, he's no. I can't worry about it. I need to worry about me and making sure Dylan White's doing what Dylan White can do and what Dylan White is told to do. As fight fans, you know, what we like to see is the knockout, don't we? And um, Lucas, you know, can deliver one of them at any time, you know, in the, in the fight. Here comes White again, right to the side of the head, and then left to the body, brings in the right uppercut, and Brown sinks back onto the ropes, tries to land the big right hand of his own. Oh, he's gone down! Left hand from Dillian White, and Lucas Brown goes down. Joshua is in the building. Good morning, how are you? I'm very good, sir. I wish I looked like you, but I don't. Um, I'm, I'm pulling my stomach in. Do you know what it is with, with Parker and his team? Behind the scenes, they're different. A lot of the things that they say are different. You know, whole press conferences. I've seen some of the emails that Parker's ma uh, manager sent Eddie and so on and so forth, and they say some really backstabbing things, but in your face, they shake your hands, and that's not my kind. That's not my type at all. If you lose your focus, this game will eat you up and spit you out, and, and the next person you know, I'm, I won't be sitting here anymore. You'll be telling the next person how great they are and how special they are. And I'll be, I'll be driving in my car thinking, hang on a minute, he told me that a few years <laughs> back. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And Joshua said that. You're looking forward to all the action tonight, Ray? I'm looking forward to an incredible fight. Uh, both guys believe they can win. And uh, the fans are in a they in store for a great fight. Joshua! Jab from Joshua, then he gets in with the right to the body. Good shot from Joshua. Real power punch, brought an uppercut in as well. As he lands another one, Joshua.
Yorkshire. And now he's starting to find his range. And the crowd sense that the end could be nine. And 12 rounds completed. Joshua raises his eyebrows as much as to say, I think I've done enough. I think I've won it. Parker must in his heart know that he's not done enough on this particular occasion. Well, it's, a, it's a start of a good finish. It's, there's going to be some big fights. Get the Lagreco fight out of the way. The former unified light welterweight champion of the world, Amir And Amir Khan is back. Straight through the guard. Well, he needs to settle down a bit. Oh, he's got oh, it again. Oh, he's got it again. Lagreco's on the ropes. And Amir has ended this as a contest after barely 30 seconds. Well, what a statement. I mean, it was an unbelievable performance. And what a statement back for Amir Khan. Nearly five years since he's been in the British ring. That was unbelievable. We're very privileged on TalkSport because Amir Khan has come out. He's still in his shorts. You've not changed yet, Amir. But it was a bit chaotic there at the end. But firstly, congratulations. That was a stunning performance. Just talk us through it. It was only 39 seconds to talk us through. I caught him early in the fight. I could see his uh, reactions were very slow. I threw a jab at the start and I could see him that, you know, he wasn't catching the jabs. The speed was causing him big problems. So I thought I'd land a one-two and, and I caught him right on the bottom. He's absolutely gobsmacked that I have been able to last in a ring with him. He's amazed. He doesn't rate me whatsoever. I know deep down what David's thinking. He thinks he's going to come in and blow me out. He's in a world of trouble because his career comes to an end on December the 17th. Tony Bellew's got a knack of somehow finding what your trigger is, finding what your button is and pushing it. And the final prediction? Final prediction is that Tony Bellew will not hear the final bell. Does the karma David Hay concern me? Not really. The David Hay that concerns me is the guy that walks out to Ain't No Stopping Me Now and looks like an absolute beast. Welcome to Fight Night Live. We are at the O2 Arena in London. It is Bellew versus Hay, part two. Bellew, you cannot underestimate disrespect him because he's got cricket balls more bigger than an elephant. So you've got to give him a lot of respect. And I hope the best man wins. Now, again. You like that one, I yeah? do that. The elephant. <laughs> The Dillian White sandwich is very welcome here. That's is what massive fight me and Joshua. It'd be history, the first time two British heavyweight fight for a world title. It would be massive. Tonight like this, you just want to get in there, don't we? It'll be a mid-interview, so I don't want to catch you with a little left hook and then boom. It'll be me left uh, alone you, you talking. get one right back. <laughs> <laughs> to finish him. He steps forward, looking for one more big punch, which will surely end it. And it's all over. How fast has stopped it? And Tony Bellew is in dreamland once more. It's the end of the road for David Hay. Doubt me again, well, didn't you? Tony. Everyone doubt me again. You doubt me now. Doubt me now.
Well, listen, firstly, oh, firstly we, we've all been congratulating you on what was a fantastic performance. So just give us doubt a reaction. You're very... Doubt me now. Here on Talk Sport, it is Fight Night Live, your home of boxing. Sweet baby Jesus and the orphans. That's proper stuff, that, isn't it, eh? That puts the ears on the back of your neck on edge. And we've still got plenty to come. We haven't even done the World Boxing Super Series Super Middleweight Final yet between George Groves, Callum Smith. That's all coming up on TalkSport. Uh, and hopefully in the next uh, week or so, we'll be announcing more fights for you to get your lug holes around. Uh, stick around, uh, because we're going to be speaking uh, to Carl Frampton on the show next. <laughs> Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport 2, um, going through all the major stories in the world of boxing throughout the course uh, of the week, and there was a, a little press conference um, in Belfast uh, to announce a big show at Windsor Park, uh, the big one for Carl Frampton. Myself and Declan are excited about um, hopefully being ringside for that, you know mm. what I mean? Taking in the uh, the Belfast there, maybe in a couple of pints, mate, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, post-fight. and uh, a nice uh, bit of sunshine. Absolutely, and see uh, one of uh, Belfast's heroes, uh, met that ring walk on a, on a monumental night for himself. And he's on the show right now. Carl Frampton, how are you, mate? You good? How you doing, boys? Yes, all good. All good. Listen, before we uh, before we talk boxing, I want to talk ping pong. Uh, because yeah. because who's the next challenge? That's the, that's the big one, mate. Never mind Windsor Park. Who's the next challenge coming your way in the world of table tennis? Whoever wants it. Um, <laughs> like, I, uh, I thought Dave Allen was going to get me... I was a bit nervous. Don't have to lead the play Mm. He was talk, talking a very good game, but yeah. very disappointing. Not, not, not very good at all. Have, not, you, have you had any other offers since? Yeah, uh, I've had a few. I've had <laughs> a few. A few, a few guys spouting and calling me out, but I'm, I'm confident. Like I'm confident. <laughs> I went down. Listen to this. I went down. I went down and done a thing for 32 red. Who sponsored me? I had a donkey derby with three like jockeys, top class jockeys. Beat them at that as well. Beat them on the donkeys. You can't, you can't lose at the moment. No, no. We'll, we'll probably see you at the Olympics, mate, doing something like the decathlon or something like that. Multi, multi-discipline. So you've done table tennis this week. You've done a little bit of horse riding. Do you fancy, do you fancy doing any boxing anytime soon, Carl? I had some wide eight weeks. The next fight's in eight weeks, so... Um, I'm, I'm right in the middle of getting ready, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Top man, listen, we have we haven't actually spoke since uh, well in the in the aftermath of Nanito Donaire. I mean, off the back of that, now the dust has settled, and you you can uh, you can analyse that, mate. I mean, what a tremendous performance! That's just from me as a, a geezer that covers boxing to watch that. You must now look back at that and uh, have a proper beamer across your face because that was a proper coming of age night. Yeah, no, I think it, if you want to look at my performances throughout my career, it's probably. It's probably the second best performance after the night when I beat um, Santa Cruz yeah. in New York. I think in terms of like in terms of discipline, it's definitely the most disciplined performance anyway. With Jimmy come up with a game plan, and I just carried it out, and I didn't want to get too carried away. Um, I just I just thought you know I was going back to the corner. Everything he told me to do, I felt like I was doing it. I just felt like I was a step ahead. But Donard's a quality fighter, still a quality fighter. Yeah, um, and he could punch. That's the thing, and I knew that from the first round. So, although I was a lot stronger, I felt physically stronger on him, but he was a dangerous puncher. And we've seen in the 11th, like he clipped me and um, my leg done a wee bit of a dance, but it was, I was okay. <laughs> I was okay. Mate, you, uh, yeah, you, you had us on the edge of your seat at that point, pal, because you were coasting it, and I thought, hey, what's going on here? A little, yeah. a little bit of drama before the end? 
Yeah, no, it was okay. It was good. It makes it exciting anyway. But um, no, I felt I felt okay, and then I came out for the twelfth, and I was completely fine. Mm. And now we obviously we roll on to uh, August eighteenth. Uh, and Luke Jackson, listen, just on this, was August 18th always going to be the date um, for the Windsor Park thing? And was it set in stone? Well, they had, they had um, obviously, boxing in Northern Ireland outdoor. You can only do it in yeah. certain times of the year. So it needed to be, you know, I fought the hour and it needed to be around that sort of time. August, I think they were talking about the 18th or the 25th. Yeah. So one or the other, really. Um, if you don't, if you go any later than that, then you're at risk of, Tarantula, well, you're at risk of flipping snow probably in Northern Ireland. <laughs> yeah. so, um, nah, it was, uh, it was okay. It worked out in the end, and that was a date. And you know, we getting a little bit of stick about the opponent, but you know, everyone else is tied up. Not yeah. a lot we could do. And uh, Luke Jackson on the feet of fighter, a former Olympian and a, and a good fighter. So I'll need to be, I'll need to be up for it. It is a shame that everybody else was tied up because I was so excited that maybe, I know he's broke his jaw at the moment and he's getting back to fitness. Oscar Valdez would have been an absolute scream and another one with Leo. I know I know that he's obviously just fought Abner Mares. It's just a shame. That's why I was asking you about the date thing because for me, one of those guys, we a world title trinket on there. I mean, I mean that's that's fairy tale stuff at Windsor Park if you could make yeah, that happen. Yeah, of course. It's just, it's just a pity about the time. That's the thing. All them guys, Gary Russell as well, they just fought. Um, Guy Russell fights once a year. Uh, Mar- <laughs> Mares, Santa Cruz, um, did just fought. Just, on, just on that call, regarding regard, Gary Russell, could you not tempt him to maybe fight maybe twice a year? You know what I mean? I mean, he's a world champ, you know? Yeah, of course, he's a quality fighter. And, and like, he's, it's a bit strange what's going on with his career at the minute because he is a top-quality fighter and a dangerous fighter for any fighter with um, in the world. But it's just strange. I don't know. He doesn't... I don't know. I don't know what's going on. He seems to be happy enough mm. for one fight a year, um, which is strange because you know, I'm I'm happy now. I'm I'm more active now than I've ever been in my career, so and I'm happy about it. So. And Carl, Carl, what do you think about um, Oscar Valdez? Obviously, he's got this reputation now as a real sort of warmonger, but as as a, a potential opponent, you must look at the Genesis Savania fight and also the Quig fight and see real openings for you that you could exploit. How do you sort of? assess him as a, a potential opponent for that world title? He's a quality fighter. I think that I think it'll be a an exciting fight no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. But again, you, you look at, you know, you, you have to see flaws in, a, in opponents and, and there's certainly flaws there with him, but there's no fighter that's a, a, a perfect opponent. But I feel it nice day. Like, yeah. you know, I, could, I could outbox this guy. I genuinely feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's there to be hit, but a dangerous, dangerous fighter himself. But I think if that one comes off at some point, it will be a a very exciting fight. I know, obviously, you're not looking over Jackson, and uh, and you're not looking uh, beyond Windsor Park, mate. But that's a that's a big one for the fans. A, kind of a reward for the fans that particular night. I'm sure they'll come out in their droves and uh, enjoy it. And I'm sure they're uh, probably clamming for another trip to America. So uh, I know that you've uh, maybe got a little bit of taste for that now. It, I, it's doubtful that Leo Santa Cruz will come back over this side. We mm. we need that rubber match, don't we? We need number three, mate. We, we, we need a straightener. That's what we need. Yeah, that, of course. And that, and that's what has to happen. It's, uh, But it seems like I'm the only one talking about that. And out of, out of me and Leo, it's, I'm the only one talking about that. And I don't want to sound like I'm desperate, but I just feel like I want to settle a score. And it's, it's one each. It yeah. has to happen. You know, it has to happen. I think he needs to be a bit more vocal about it. I'm willing to travel. I get this fight out of the road. Um, you know, Josh Warrington is a potential fight for me before the end of the year. You can yeah. pick up a world title there. And then you're kind of forcing Leo into a unification fight. That would be ideal. That would be the dream scenario to, 
they get a fight with Warrington or Valdez before the end of the year after Jackson. And then you look and, and you try and force um, Santa Cruz into a fight. But again, they don't want to be looking too too far ahead. It's important to have kind of one eye on the future. But, you know, Luke Jackson is a, is a, is a good fighter and he's coming to, to upset the party, you know. Um, but I'll be ready for him. You, you don't, you, Carl, I know that you're saying that you'll have to travel. You don't fight away from home. Your fans, your <laughs> fans, you take 10,000 uh, fans wherever you go, pal. So it's like, it's like you're at home anyway. Yeah, that, that's the thing. You know, I, I think we took we took about five to um, Las Vegas, and, and and Santa Cruz had similar sort of numbers. So you know, you're traveling. He he's a three hour drive from where he lives to Las Vegas, and I'm uh, a twelve hour flight yeah. from from where I live. And 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 the, the bring five thousand people. Well, that, that's one of the big achievements in my career. I feel just the, the fan base that I have, and to be able to bring them sort of numbers and, and how supportive I am. It's something I'm very proud of. But wherever. Wherever I have to fight Leo Santa Cruz, I think I think people will come in trouble. Listen, last time um, that uh, that you fought, obviously against Nanita Denaire, I know that you went into town and started pulling pints for all the fans and all that type of stuff, and had a bit of a night out. Thirty odd thousand, mate. That's going to cost you a few quid. You know what I mean? You can't yeah, be getting yeah. around in there, lad. Nah, nah, it'll be it'll be a bit different. Maybe we'll do something, but um, <laughs> yeah, thirty thousand. Well, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll do. We'll hope to do twenty four. That would be it filled yeah. in their park. If we do 24, I'll be happy, but 24,000 pounds is <laughs> probably out of my league. Hey, that's what they're all, they're all turning up thinking, Carl's, Carl's put one on. He's put one on the bar for us, so uh, so that's what they're there for, mate, having a, having a, having a wee dram. Yeah, well, no, it'll be, we'll, we'll sort something out. There'll be something on for the fans, I'm sure. It, you know, it, it's good for me to, to go and do these things. Yeah, they're, they're planned, when I go to Vegas and New York and say, these people are paying a lot of money to come out and support me, so mm-hmm. it's nice to it's nice to repay them. You you were ringside in uh, at Ellen Road for for Warrington Selby. You must being involved in that and seeing that outdoor big fight in a football stadium. That must have really got your juices flowing, got you itching to get get this big Windsor Park one on. Yeah, it definitely did, and I think the atmosphere in, in Leeds that night was was incredible. I think Josh Warrington's performance was good. It was an exciting fight, and he was forcing the pace and. And, and and forcing the issue all the time, but the the, the crowd was um, they were fantastic. They made a lot of noise, and I'm expecting more of the same at Windsor. It was kind of a, you know, probably 95% of the people in the arena at night at, at Allen Road are supporting Josh Warrington, if not more. Um, I expect it to to be the same sort of percentages at, at Windsor Park. Listen, Carl, thanks for your time, mate. Enjoy camp and uh, also enjoy, obviously, qualification for the Olympics in table tennis, mate. We're looking forward to seeing how you're getting on. <laughs> Cheers, boys. Thank Cheers, you. Carl. Thanks, mate. Top man. There you go. Uh, two-weight world champion, uh, Carl Frampton, and uh, soon-to-be Olympic gold medalist in uh, table tennis. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport 2. Uh, right then, we can't do fight night on TalkSport 2 without obviously speaking to uh, my uh, C- Californian surf dude uh, that's normally alongside me. <laughs> Gareth A. Davis is in the States, um, bombing around America at this moment in time, speaking to uh, all different types of characters connected to the world of boxing. Um, great to have you on, my friend. How are you? You good? I'm very well. Normally, I'm your long-haired lover. Um, so, well, why have I suddenly become the Californian surf dude? Well, that's you know, a relegation. Yeah, well, it's not. It's not that. You know what I mean? I just thought I didn't want to sound semi from last week, mate. I thought I'd mix it up a little yeah, bit. That's fair. Plus, I, I, no, but I've been enjoying being your long-haired yeah, lover. On well, I want to keep you on your toes. You know what I mean, mate? I want to. Uh, I, 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 I want to keep you guessing. <laughs> How is California anyway? Is it well? It's very, very warm at the moment where I am. Yeah. Um, 
but it's um, you know, I, I, I tell you what, there's so much boxing going on at the moment. I mean, it's Friday night fights. Clarissa Shields fighting with Christiane Hammer in the ring after her bouts, and it's uh, it's all hotting up over here. Deontay Wilder's very noisy at the moment. Mm. Um, I'm actually seeing him getting some resonance um, kind of in the USA at the moment, um, which I think it's obviously on the back of potential fight with Anthony Joshua. But there, there, there's a real, I think there's a real feeling that boxing's kind of kicking its heels a little bit and, and, and driving into a new gear. There is that sense, I don't know it's because I'm over here, but there is that feeling that they're ramping up their act because we're dominating the scene at the moment in, yeah. over in the UK. Yeah, I reckon it's because you're there, mate. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> Gareth, we hear a lot about um, Deontay Wilder not being known over in America. We hear that quite a lot. But would you agree, yeah. would you agree that there's an argument to be made that actually he is the most well-known American boxer at the moment? I think so. I mean, I think you can look at people like Errol Spence and Terence Crawford, yeah. um, you know, and, and the visitors over here, if you like, in Vasyl Lomachenko and Gennady, Gennady Golovkin, and obviously they get a lot of resonance. But no, I think he is. I think he probably is. And, you know, he, he makes a lot of noise when he does it. It's just, um, you know, I don't think he, for some weird reason, he hasn't received the resonance that he probably should deserve. Um, I think maybe because he's stultifying in a sense that his career's rambled along. He's gone mm. to 40 fights undefeated. And yet there hasn't really been that defining moment for him. Um, maybe um, it's going to be with Anthony Joshua. We don't know. But um, it, I don't know. It's, it's a weird one, really. And I just think there's a um, something, something is needed here to spark um, American boxing into life, and uh, you know, it, you know, we've. I think Mayweather dominated so much. It was all about Mayweather in the end, and all about whether people could knock him out twice a year mm. for five years on the trot. I mean, I covered all those fights. You did many of them as well, Declan. Yeah. You know, the the thing is, the, the, I, I think he just dominated the scene, and and he did in two thousand and uh, and seventeen with with his fight with with Conor McGregor as well in many ways. And, and I think they're emerging from, from the shadow of Mayweather, the great masterful shadow of Floyd Mayweather with his brilliant promotional skills and, and his unbeaten record. And I think, you know, I think we are going to see a big American revival in the next few years. And as you know as well, Eddie Hearn is, is a serious businessman. And, uh, you know, if he can work his magic with perform and disown over here, I think there could genuinely be, you know, if you've got the rivals with Al Heyman, um, Bob Arum, Oscar De La Hoya, and Eddie Hearn in the mix. It, it could really illuminate um, a big, big light on, on boxing again. Um, you know, and, uh, as Adam knows, I've been catching up with Don Chargin, and um, this is what he had to say about uh, what the um, Americans should have done with Deontay Wilder. They've done a terrible job with Wilder. You know, like you say, he can punch and that. Look, at when it comes to popularity and drawing, he can't compare with Joshua. You know, he just can't. He can't mm. sell out Birmingham, his hometown. So they have to strive to do that. What would you do with him then? I'd have him go a couple of times in Birmingham. I, I wouldn't charge exorbitant prices and do it to get the fans. Let them score knockouts and they're going to want to come. Then when you would bring him to New York, you would get Birmingham fans coming. You would get, you got to make them a household name. I mean, when they don't want to fight me, people get tired of him getting on TV and say, Joshua's afraid of me. That's silly stuff. That's no way to build a fight anymore. Can Joshua beat him? Yeah. 
Can Wilder beat Joshua? I guess if he hit him with that right hand, he can punch. We really don't know, do we? No. And that's what we need to know. That's it. And in those eras you've watched, we always found out, pretty much always found out. I was really impressed with Joshua in the Klitschko fight, but not so much in the last fight. I thought he would do more. I thought that the Klitschko fight would really make him where he'd go out and gamble a little more and and that. But I, I think a lot of them, don't get me wrong, I think he can really be... I mean, anybody that can draw people like that, tremendous. Boxing knowledge on this show is going through the roof, isn't it, today? Let me tell you, the, Gareth there, Davis catching up with uh, Don Jargon there uh, over uh, in California. Um, for those that don't know, uh, Don is the man credited with finding a certain uh, Saul Alvarez, the little cinnamon-haired wonder uh, that enjoys tacos at this moment in time. Um, did you speak about Canelo at all with him or not? We did, um, and he he basically... Um, Said that uh, again. He 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 peddled a line that some um, tainted meat in Mexico would have caused it, and they'd been tested uh, dozens of times. You know, Don is obviously, as I say, kind of scouted uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez um, all those years ago, and and kind of got under Golden Boy's skin and said, look, you really got to sign this guy, he's something special, which he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he will go down as a Hall of Famer eventually. But um, you know, Don obviously loyal to the last, you know, um, and. You know, saying that he believes that uh, Canelo, having been tested all those times, has eaten tainted meat. A lot of people don't believe that. Um, I don't myself. Um, I don't know what you guys feel, but you know, the problem is his 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 legacy. Whatever he achieves in the sport will always be tainted because of those two tests for um, clambuterol in in February. Those, you know, the random out of out of competition testing um, examinations by the officials, and you know, it's made this fight. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's made this fight burn in a way. I mean, they've been a year since the controversial first draw. Um, and, you know, I think they've made, I think I might have mentioned it to you before in the show, Adam, that I, I, I think, and, and Eddie Hearn's actually gone on about this, I think they've made mistakes in not bringing the two guys together, forcing them together in a big global um, press tour ahead of this second fight because it's going to be watched by a million people on pay-per-view but they could have really ramped this up and it could have gone two and a half million because this is the moment with um, this having happened that they've got a chance to really promote the event and there's apparently real hatred between the two of them now but I, I did catch up with Don uh, and this is what he had to say about uh, Canelo Alvarez To see him in those early fights you know, really, before he learned to fight, he was very aggressive, knocking everybody out. And people took to him right away. I liked his movement. Uh, I liked it. He knew when to be aggressive, when to hold back. And I think he thinks he made a mistake in the first Golovkin fight by he held back a little bit. I think he thinks he could have been more aggressive. I look for it to be a real barn burner this time. And but the, but the, there's the whole drugs issue that's that's kind of cast a hazy pall over it as well though you know for several months you know if they would have had the thing they came with the explanation it's happened to so many fighters in Mexico Golovkin wanted to get a better deal for himself so he went out with all that uh, I don't believe it you know he's dirty and all this and that but. He took the test for all of his title fights as both challenger and champion. He took the test, never had any trouble passing him because he always came like 
six weeks to San Diego to train. So he was eating there. This time he was in Mexico and they gave him the thing and he'd been eating in Mexico. Why is there so much tainted meat in Mexico, really? Yeah, it's, it's not, they call it tainted, which gives the wrong thing. We give cattle other things. It's just, it's not steroids. They shoot their cattle with steroids in Mexico. So should he have been more careful, though, about what he, he ate? Should have. He, he should have. He knows it. At least you agree with that last little bit there that uh, Don was saying uh, with you, uh, Gareth. It's fascinating conversation, fascinating hearing him uh, speak on that uh, particular um, uh, situation. Re- regarding the actual thirst for this fight, um, what's it like in the States at the moment? Are there, are, has what Canelo has done over the last six months tainted it? What using that word again, but tainted the actual thirst for the fight? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think there's there's real appetite. I mean, I think the, the, what what Don also said, which I was talking to him about, was that my feeling was in the fight itself that um, you know Canelo got hurt in the middle rounds and had to take a, a rest. I think got hurt into the body around. I think it was around about the fifth round from memory, and then he had to kind of take a round off, and he was backpedaling for. For, for a round and a half or so. But he came back very strong at the end of the fight and he rocked Golovkin um, late in the fight. And he just almost rocked him to his boots. I think it was in the 10th round. Um, and there's the feeling this time. And and, and, and Canelo, I, I spoke about that with Don. He said, no, that's how Canelo saw the fight when he's spoken to him. Um, and I do think he'll, he'll be more aggressive this time. And I think there's a general feeling that, that with... I know generally when someone wins convincingly in the first fight, which Golovkin did, I had him winning 7-5 or 8-4, and most observers did have that. I mean, uh, the, the, some of the scoring was obviously ridiculous. Adelaide Bird's score was, was <laughs> horribly off the charts, as we, as we all know now, uh, giving uh, Canelo the, the, the victory. But the, 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 the thing is, um, what's clear is that he's got a strategy of taking it more to Golovkin this time. Generally, when someone's convincing you on a first fight, you generally think they'll win the second fight. But I have a feeling that, that uh, Canelo, what is he, 26, 27, with, with Golovkin coming on 37, though, that it will make a difference, that fight. It took a lot out of Golovkin as well, mm-hmm. and he has looked slightly slowing in age. But, you know, I, I think there is an appetite for it um, because, you know, whenever there's controversy in a first fight between two guys, we, we, we always see a bigger fight the second time around. It's definitely... Um, the big fight. It's definitely forced um, Eddie Hearn into rethinking when uh, Anthony Joshua was going to fight uh, Deontay Wilder because they were looking at September the 15th uh, at some point. But yeah, I think there's a massive appetite for it. By the way, um, we're talking about Deontay Wilder again. I don't know if you see um, Michelle Joy Phelps, one of the American video videographers here uh, on boxing, pretty well known. Um, Deontay Wilder gave an interview with her over here um, overnight. And, um, you know, he's really launched into Eddie Hearn, you know, that he's a manipulator, a contradictor, a compulsive liar, he said, quoting him. Um, and if anybody can't identify a snake, that's the one you have to practice on. He doesn't understand why they're not making the fight. Um, and, I, and I think, and I don't know what Declan's feeling is as well, but I do feel that Eddie Hearn has probably had, wanting to spearhead Alexander Povetkin next. I'm sure Wilder was in the thinking, but I don't think we're going to see that fight. We may see it at the end of this year, but I think the, the unification, the four-belt unification fight probably won't happen till uh, I reckon, maybe even April next year, potentially. Because I think if Joshua fights in September or early October, I don't think we'll see him fight 
for the rest of this year. I don't know if you agree with that, Deck. No, I do. I would agree with that. We were talking uh, earlier, and we, mm. I, I think if the Wilder fight happens, that will be October, November. But you're right. The the Povetkin one slipped in in September would surely preclude him from fighting until at least February, March. But you're probably right in saying April because they could do Wembley in April, which yeah. is where they want to yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, April will be the earliest they could do it at Wembley. Otherwise, it's Cardiff over here. So that would make sense. But I'm still hopeful. I'm still optimistic that we might just get a deal for November. You know, I mean, I speak regularly to Shelley Finkel and I, and I, I have the feeling that, that, that these contractual um, oh. points that need clarifying... Um, I think there'll be more after that and then more again. I mean, I just have the feeling that... Um, and also, by the way, I, I think it's got to be in London for such a big fight. I agree with you completely. I think for such a big fight. I think moving it to Cardiff, for some reason in my mind, doesn't work. Um, you know, the, 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 the media conferences, the, the whole week in, in Cardiff, I, I, I know... Um, Joshua has been very successful fighting at the Milan, at the Principality Stadium, but I just feel that the four belt unification, the media base in the UK, all of that kind of thing, it resonates around London, and I think they know that it will sell and be bigger if it takes place in London. And that's late April for me, mm. you know. Top man, listen, I'll let you uh, get back to that Californian sunshine. Go and enjoy yourself. I've no doubt we'll be catching up again next week. Um, obviously, <laughs> tales of surfing and tales of catching up with uh, boxing uh, aficionados as well. Gareth Davis there, stateside. Uh, you listen to Fight Night next. Myself and Deck are going to, uh, um, well, try and pick the bones out of what next for Amir Khan. Uh, don't forget, if you've missed any part of Fight Night here on TalkSport 2, it will be available as a podcast. You can download it and listen to it at any point throughout the course of the week, just in case you're coming to the show late. Uh, it's myself, Adam Catherall, and Declan Taylor. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world of boxing, um, which obviously we've been speaking about for the last uh, hour or so. Um, but there's a couple of other stories that we have missed out on. And one that just keeps popping up, keeps rearing its head, mate, is uh, what next for Amir Khan. Now, we know that he's going to be fighting in September. Um, and it in Britain and the fans will enjoy it and we'll have a little bit of a coming out party but there's a lot of noise at this moment in time that he he might be getting in to the 147 title mix with the likes of Terence Crawford and I just I just cover my hands I cover my eyes with my hands I'm looking very sheepishly from behind the sofa mm. uh, when people make noises about that particular fight I thought after the Phil LaGreco fight we were primed for Kelbrook let's, let's do it let's make the Kel, uh, Kelbrook fight but the way that everybody seemed to be speaking is that Amir had his eyes set on a world title. And at the time, Jeff Owen was the champ, wasn't he? Even though they were loosely sorting out the fight with Terence Crawford. And I thought, well, maybe there's something there. At 154, I can't see it. Errol Spence, I don't see it. Mm. Thurman, I don't see it. And I just kept ticking off all this list. And I thought, Amir, just give the fans the, the Kell Brook fight. That's where I was going. And now... This is coming from stateside. People like Bob Arum are starting to make noise. I mean, he's got a great following in America. A lot of people know who he is. And to be fair, I probably would like to see it, but it's such a tough fight, that Terence Crawford. Mm. Why would you? Well, I suppose you go in there in the hope of uh, of winning a world title and you're going to get paid well, but he's on a bit of a hiding to nothing, in my opinion, with that fight, mate. Mm, I, I'm not sure I see it happening, to be honest. Um, when, I, when I saw that story sort of doing the rounds obviously like you say Khan's back in September in Birmingham uh, it will be a step up from Phil Le Greco 
but that's basically the whole division. <laughs> so <Sort of> me, <laughs> yeah. me then. <laughs> yeah. If you can make the weight you're in. Um, and then, do you know what? And then obviously, Kel Brook is on the July card at the O2. Yeah, he's on Dillian White's Dillian on the White card against Joseph Parker. So yeah. time-wise, they're, they're sort of aligning. Um, so they could, if Khan has an easy night or a straightforward night in sept- early September, they could go in December. It's not out of the question. Um, but the weight issue seems to be something mm. at the moment that worries me in that Amir Khan is a welterweight and Kelbrook isn't a welterweight. Mm-hmm. So if all the, the the obstacles of the past uh, have gone, mm-hmm. now we've got the main one, mm-hmm. the major one, which, mm-hmm. can, which will always undo it. Um, hopefully they'll come to an agreement. And like you say, Khan could go back to America. I don't know... I don't see him getting into a, getting into the mix with Spence, uh, Thurman, no. people like Garcia, people like that. I just don't see it at the moment. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe I'm. It's doing him a disservice. He's still a big name, but he's at least, there's no profile wise. He's absolutely massive. Yeah, and we sh- and we shouldn't underestimate that. But, but I think it's waning in America. Actually, yeah, he's been bigger in mm. America. Mm. Um, obviously. He lost to Canelo and then went missing for ages. Then he's come home. Mm-hmm. So it's all, it's been on the slide. Uh, there was a point when people really honestly wanted him in America. Honestly, thought he could beat Mayweather and saw him as someone with his hands beating whatever could do yeah. could do a job. I think that those days are gone. Uh, and the Kelbrook fight just seems to be crying out mm-hmm. now as a time for both of them really. Um, those those lads at 147 pounds. I mean that division. They're very good. The division's moved on so yeah. far now. Mm. I mean Errol Spence Jr. is ridiculous. Keith Thurman when he's fit's ridiculous. And even guys that have uh, been there and kind of, and won and lost. People like Danny Garcia and mm. Sean Porter and people like that. They are still elite level guys. Yeah. Elite level guys. And now you've we're chucking Terence Crawford, who I think could be the best of the lot. I mean, he's still yet to be tested properly at 147. I mean, mm. he was the undisputed champion at 140. Him and Spence Jr. is just something that I have to see. Mm. I have to see that fight. Can Amir Khan compete with those? I don't think yeah, he can. Yeah, I'm not sure he can. And I think that that fight, Crawford-Spence, obviously it's a bit of a problem in the Massive in terms political, of the fight. Yeah. So it's one of those that we might never see. Hopefully it's one of those that becomes so big and the demand becomes so huge that they have to do it. Yeah. But again, I don't see it for 12, 18 months, yeah. which is no problem really for Crawford either because he's growing into the weight. I think as well, the problem that someone like Khan has got when it comes to sort of cracking back into that division is that I don't see Errol Spence or Terence Crawford going anywhere really. Mm. I see him laying their roots there and making multiple defences, mm. becoming the man icons at welterweight why not it's you know that's a that's a great division yeah, to do yeah. it at. there's no reason for them to go Crawford there's a reason for Crawford to move up because he did he done the job at, at 140 and he yeah. outgrew it but if you if they stick around it's the same for, for people like Josh Kelly at welterweight uh obviously he's a mile off but when you th- start plotting the next two or three years you're thinking hold on a minute Errol Spence is you know he's going to be around Terence Crawford's going to be around so for someone like Khan who's there now where do you go? Mm-hmm. Maybe it might have to take something like a Crawford fight, but I don't, would you would you give him a chance of winning that fight at the moment? Just based on what you've seen, who who knows? He, he no. certainly wouldn't have fought anyone as fast as as Khan and with that sort of hand speed. It's just he wouldn't have come across anyone like him. Um, mm. But he's a powerful guy and he's a vicious, spiteful sort of puncher as well. It's not just 
he's not just sort of taking your head off. He knows what he's doing. His body, he's stopped people clinical, to the body. He's, he's very clinical. clinical. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Bob Arum's talking it up, but Bob Arum has matched everyone with everyone. You know, when he's asked in interviews, it's great for journalists because he'll give you a story. <laughs> I, to be honest, I've always thought the Khan Broner fight is one that makes sense because I thought he'd retired this week yeah. on Instagram. He's yeah, packed well, it in again, again hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but he just because of the profile of the two of them. Yeah. Um both of them will fancy the job. They're friends as well. Um I say friends, you know, they talk on FaceTime and whatever else. You know, they're both big big characters and big uh sort of they've got big profiles. So it mm. makes sense to box someone else in that sort of level. Um who knows, maybe that's something Eddie will look to do with the, the zone money or whatever. Well, else. I genuinely think that that is the reason why he's approached Adrian Bronner yeah. for the zone thing, because that obviously has been well publicised by yeah. Bronner, sticking yeah. it all over his social media. I, I when, when I saw that that offer was made, I fir- at first of it, I thought, why do you want to deal with Bronner? He's an absolute weapon. Mm. But then I thought, who's he got in his stable that he might want to shove towards? And Adrian Bronner, whether we like him or not, he will sell tickets. He'll do numbers, yeah. He will do great numbers, mm. especially in the UK. I mean, yeah. can you imagine him and Amir Khan in the UK? Yeah. It'd do great numbers. Well, even in America. And they, yeah. and they yeah. do it in, you know, they do it on a DAZN show. Yeah. They pay him the money. As far as I can understand it, that is now dead in the water because of what Broner did with the revelation of the number. <laughs> and, and apparently he got back in touch with Eddie and said, uh, you know, make me basically make me a counter offer, and Eddie has completely ghosted him and doesn't mm. want any more to do with him. Let's see if that sort of Re- comes up yeah. again because he's he's still a big name. Mm. And for something like the zone where they need to get subscribers, they need to get people interested. To go, do you know what? I want to actually see this. Mm. Adrian Broner is someone whether you hate him or like him, he's someone that does do that. He does sort of generate that interest or at least that intrigue. Where, even yeah. if you want to see him getting beaten up, yeah, and like. Uh, Marcus Maidana I don't know if you saw the picture doing the rounds this week of him standing over a grave of <laughs> yeah. Broner's career just brilliant Yeah, and he's still Maidana's still I don't know seven or eight stone overweight it's brilliant to see he's just loving life anyway, with that Mayweather money <laughs> <laughs> times two two, yeah, ta- yeah, two times yeah. Mayweather money he's having a right old time yeah. it is going to be interesting to see that the path that Amir Khan takes I mean one thing that I know that I'm giving him a little bit of a hard time here of, of whether I believe that he can compete with those guys at 147. One thing that I will never slag off Amir Khan for is that he has got cojones the size mm. of a house. He will mm. he will take on all comers, and he's proved that down the years. Yeah, if he he's fought Canelo, he stepped up to fight Canelo with no rehydration clause mm. because the money was right, because the situation was right. He was that in need of a fight that he did it. So if he's done that then why wouldn't he fight Errol Spence why wouldn't he fight Terence Crawford if the money's right mm. they're going to be looking for opponents because because <laughs> they're not going to they can't fight each other at the moment just because of that political divide mm. so yeah he's not someone who would go well, do you know what no, it's too dangerous for me I don't I won't have that fight no. let's not do it he, he's the he's one person who would if the money's right yeah. the deal's right mm. he'll do it and he'll give it a go. And let's not forget, he's still a great fighter. I still remember that Devon Alexander performance was Super just punch perfect, brilliant. Mm. Uh, and Devon Alexander, obviously, since then he has. At the time, he was you know right up there. He was he was in the sort of upper echelons at, at welterweight. And mm. you know, Amir Khan did a did a job on him. Mm. So there is a style out there that Khan is all wrong for, and it's just going to be sort of manoeuvring that. Is it Kell Brook? I don't know. I, it depends on the weight. Exactly, it depends on... I every- think it'd have to be a catch weight when it's around yeah. 150, 151, something like that, in order to make that fight. Um, speaking of the weight class, just slightly above those gentlemen at 147, uh, Liam Smith has got an opportunity to uh, go and win his belt back. He once held this WBO uh, championship at Super Welter. 
Can you imagine the trip? Can you imagine the uh, the gang of lads that are going to go to uh, Las Vegas in the in the back end of July yeah. to watch him take on uh, Jaime Munguia, uh, a new superstar at uh, Super Welter who, who got this belt off Saddam Ali. Mm. Obviously, Liam's the mandatory challenger for this. Um, no Scouse has ever won uh, a world title in uh, Las Vegas no. or in America, no. in fact. So he could be uh, creating history if he pulls this off. Yeah, I mean, first of all, we've got to say July, Las Vegas in July. Ooh, if you think it's bad in September, July is something else. Yeah. And they used to do outdoor fights there in July. You're going to need your sun cream, Liam. Um, but you're going to need a lot of it. You're <laughs> going to need to stay in that gym wherever he's going to go, set up shop, whether it's the top rank one, whatever it is. Mm. Um, it's a big ask. I, I just got a, a feel for him what happened with the Ali fight falling yeah. out because on the basis of what he did against Munguia, Liam Smith would have absolutely taken him to the cleaners. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the best Liam Smith would have won that belt back at the turning stone. Uh, as it happened, Mungia stepped in. Big guy, big, strong, thick neck, powerful. Yeah. Um, he's there to be hit. He's, Liam's not going to have to go go far to find him. Uh, I do think he gets caught a lot on the way in as well. He did against Ali, but maybe that was because he just faced, felt the power early on and thought, you know, I'm, I'm fine with this. Mm. He throws a lot of uh, double jab backhands, one, two, left hook, very sort of uh, solid and he does the basics, left hooks to the body, lead left hooks, which obviously stopped him with eventually. Mm. And I just think if you get the game plan right and if you off, you can't let him get into a rhythm, which is what Ali allowed him to do in the first round or two where he wasn't just, every time Munguia stepped forward, he wasn't hitting him with a jab and moving away. Liam Smith can do that. Mm. And so you offset that rhythm, you don't let him follow up with the power. I think he's there to be hit. I think he's very raw. Uh, I think he's, I think he's twenty nine and zero or something like that now. Mm. Obviously, he's only just come to the to the fore. He's a much harder fight for Liam Smith than Saddam Ali. Who let's not forget, he was the guy who got got lucky. He was maybe harsh, but he got fortunate with the timing with Miguel Cotto, and he he spoiled the the retirement party. Mm-hmm. He got an old Cotto that night, and he won the belt. Um, he, for me, doesn't look like a 154-pound fighter. Munguia looks like a middleweight. He's a massive guy. Yeah. So you had a middleweight against a welterweight in many ways mm. uh, that night at the Turning Stone. So Liam Smith's going to be bigger than Ali, more physically imposing. He's going to have to make sure that counts against against Munguia, who, when he gets into a rhythm, mm. um, he's a little bit one-dimensional. He's a little bit plodding. His feet aren't great. Um, certainly when he sets... He, he, he seems to move quite well, but actually... When you look at it, when you look at that Ali fight, he seems to sort of, he gets stuck a bit here and there. And again, I don't know whether it's because he, he realised the fight was won after one round. So he sort of just was going for the for the knockout, yeah. basically. Liam Smith can't allow him to do that, obviously. I think it's a fight Liam Smith can win. Mm. Very tough one. Very tough one. Munguia could go on to become a superstar. We don't know yet. Mm. Um, but if Liam Smith wins that belt that's a that's an interesting division with a lot of good fight a lot of very hard fights though mm. um, July 21st that um, in Las Vegas and interesting as well that one of Liam Smith's uh, old foes Liam Williams has moved uh, mm. well Mood trainer this week, uh, Gary Lockett said some wonderful yeah, words brilliant. about him. I love uh, the way that they have parted company uh, so amicably and quite obvi- obvious that they uh, have a lot of time and a lot of love for each other. Uh, and he's going to be spending a little bit of time in the uh, Dominic in- Ingle gym now, which uh, I kind of like from Liam Williams, his attitude there, because at the end of the day, it's your career. You're only here once. Yeah. If you feel like you've learned all you can with who you are currently with, irrelevant of your relationship with them, and you still need to grow, you need to go and learn some other stuff, you need to go and try another gym, and I kind of like that attitude from the young lad. Mm, and even more so that he asked Lockett, 
who, yeah. who he thinks he should go with. It was just such a nice story. To, you you hear a lot about boxers and trainers splitting, and it's always toxic. Yeah, and they're always sniping at each other and whatever. It was the complete opposite. Gary Locke is such a nice man, mm. such a solid boxing man as well. Um, he would have advised him, as he said in his interview, that when you go to Dominic Ingalls' gym at the moment, the sparring in that in and around Liam Williams's weight class on its own is superb not to mention everything else that comes with being up there in Sheffield mm. I think it would do him good I assume that he'll move up he might even live with Kid Galahad same as Billy Joe you know he'll he'll move himself there and become part of the furniture mm-hmm. which can be good a change of scenery you really settle yourself into it um, the sparring will be brilliant I'm interested to see what Liam Williams does yeah, because, because he's a very good fighter very uh, underrated still I would mm. say he's been underrated for years and years and uh, I think that he can he can make a bit of a bit of a splash but again it's a it's a such a strong division and you know people like Jamel Charlo Jarrett Hurd you know at the top end Kel Brook is is someone who's also trying to break into it there's a lot going on in that division which was a bit dormant for a while a bit quiet but now mm. it's really starting to heat up a bit and if Liam Williams gets it right training wise it's, it's so nice and refreshing to hear that he he actually thought about it and thought, you know what, I think I can get more out of myself I just yeah. need to need a change and sometimes it works wonders sometimes it doesn't Yeah, but Time will tell with Liam. Mm, looking forward to seeing uh, that story develop. Um, it's been a pleasure having you in the studio with us uh, today, mate. Pleasure's mine, mate. Hope, hope, you, hope you've enjoyed it. Um, hopefully you'll be back in the not-too-distant future. Hopefully we've not put you off too much. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Declan Taylor there. Um, thank you very much for listening to us. Like I said, the show's available on a podcast. You can download it from all your uh, outlets, uh, iTunes and the like, and our website, uh, talksport.co.uk. Uh, and we will be back next week for more Fight Night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 